You're listening to a production of the Good Lion Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast, a podcast designed to help you learn to teach the Bible, starting with the very basics. In today's episode, we're discussing getting opinions from non-teachers. It can be really easy to just focus on what other teachers are saying about your teaching. And yet, for the most part, you're not going to be teaching them. You're going to be teaching regular people that are showing up to your congregation, coming from their schools and jobs and regular life. It's important to hear from them, too. So that's exactly what we're going to do in this episode. Let's dive in. There are lots of people we normally think of as those who can help us grow in our journey in teaching. We think of the pastor that we look up to, we think of the books that we love, the podcasts that we hear, the different influences we've had that we believe have helped made us the teacher that we are at this point and hopefully will continue making us into better and better teachers. One of the downfalls of that is that as we get so caught up in what other teachers think of us, we forget that most of our teaching is not for other teachers. They're as influential as they are because they have their own congregations. They've got their own stuff going on, their own books, their own sermons, their own classes. They're busy doing that, and we're not teaching them. And I know as someone who personally, I have spent a lot of time trying to be for lack of a better term, an impressive teacher to other teachers, we forget that impressing them is not really the goal of teaching, informing the regular people coming in, and regular sounds insulting, and I don't mean it to be, but we're not trying to teach to other people in ministry. We're trying to teach to the average churchgoer. Our main measure of success is whether or not the people who are sitting in on our messages are getting things from it, whether or not they're learning. So rather than just trying to throw out my own opinion so that perhaps I unfortunately become one of those voices that in your teaching, you're just thinking, oh, does what I'm doing match up to what I'm hearing in this podcast or that podcast or whatever? I thought we would go in a little bit of a different direction. So today, I am here with my wife, Tori. You want to say hi? Hello. And we are going to talk a little bit about how someone who is not a Bible teacher listens to and receives and understands teaching. So Tori, tell us a little bit about your growing up in the church. Yeah, so I grew up in the church. Brian and I actually started going to the same church when we were in junior high. And um, yeah, I've always kind of been under Bible teaching, scripture, and all that stuff, and um, for the last uh, 16 years. So, yeah. So we are used to a relationship where I am the one that's speaking into microphones, and you're the one that's kind of just talking to me behind the scenes, and, and my ministry normally happens on a stage, and your best ministry normally happens in a coffee shop mm-hmm. or something like that. Today, we're going to flip that, because I want to hear your opinions on what Bible teachers do that, that help you and what they do that hurts you. So let's start with this. In what ways has listening to preaching changed you or helped you grow? What's the role it's played in your Christian growth? Yeah, so 
obviously the Bible is so important and um, sitting under teaching is so important and community and all that that church brings. But um, just getting more of an understanding out of the scriptures that I may lack an understanding and different different ways of, you know, I can read in my personal devotion, but maybe don't understand certain things, but then kind of getting that from the pulpit helps a lot how they break it down and kind of make it more personal and real and things like that has really shaped and grown my walk with the Lord. So as those things get broken down from the pulpit, do they become things that you then see and identify in your own reading? Or is it just that you're getting it from that pulpit and it's the only way you're going to kind of access that information? I think it would be a mixture of the both because, you know, just by doing your own personal devotions, you might be like in the same, you know, scripture as what the teacher is teaching. And it's like, oh, wow, I didn't get that out of what I was reading, but that totally correlates with it. And um, now I understand that so much better. And it's kind of cool by taking those two like personal and sitting under and kind of marrying the two together. And it becomes kind of a bigger picture and a bigger understanding that it's like, wow, okay, now I get that or, you know, so that, that I think is a good thing for teachers to hear. You're not showing up to a Sunday message saying, this will be my only connection right. to what God is saying. And, and because of that, you're only looking at it as part of the picture. Mm-hmm. Really important that we remember we're only part of what you're gaining from Scripture. If we start teaching like we are the only connection you're going to have to God, we're going to miss out on encouraging your personal reading and encouraging uh, the ways that God wants to speak to you, not just through us, but through all the different avenues that he's given his people. What are the kinds of messages that speak to you the most? Or what are the things and messages that really speak to you the most powerfully? Yeah, I would say what one of the most powerful things is when it feels like it's a conversation and you're not mm-hmm. just kind of being talked at or to it's kind of like you're being drawn in and they're kind of taking you on a journey and how the scripture can become something that's personal and the way that they're sharing it i think speaks really well to me um so yeah so you kind of like watching when you say conversational, and you also talked about a story unfolding, you mm-hmm. want to watch the the teaching kind of go somewhere and not mm-hmm. just be, here's a lot of information that right. I have to share with you. Exactly. When it kind of tends towards, here's a lot of information, where does that bring you mentally? Um, I kind of shut down a little. Okay. Um, Just personally, because I... I'm definitely more of a visual person and when kind of teacher can talk in something that's more of a, you know, a picture. Yeah. When they're being vivid, when they're, yeah, when they're, when they're helping you see what's going on and not just hear what's going on. Like here's facts and facts and facts and facts are super important. Yeah. And I appreciate that and do want that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes if, it's just an overload. I kind of go into like a shutdown mode where yeah. I'm like, I'm so confused. <laughs> so do you think, cause I, I know some of the teachers that you listen to, like I, I know mm-hmm. that, um, we both really like just to throw out a few examples, definitely not all of the examples, mm-hmm. but we both really like 
uh, John Mark Comer. We like Dominic Doan. Uh, Tim Mackey, Tim Chaddick, Tim Keller, Tim Keller. anyone named yeah. Tim is just probably going to be a really good teacher. <laughs> um, all of those mm-hmm. teachers do seem to be really heavy on the information mm-hmm. side. There's a lot that they go into. Yeah. But what do you think it is about their style of teaching that keeps it from becoming just drowning in facts? What helps you stay with it? Yeah. Again, I think when I, you know, hearing them teach it, it feels very personal. Like it's, or sometimes just feels like they're just talking to you, Mm -hmm. which I don't know what kind of style that is, but that's really, I enjoy it and can really stick with what they're saying. Cause it's not just, I'm going to throw all of these facts at you and then try to bring it back. It's like, I'm going to do all of that. Like, but I'm going to also throw in some descriptive things that will kind of be more personal and like something that can, you know, someone who might not be as wordy can understand as well. Yeah. And and even I'm going to walk with you along the way of, you know, it's one thing if a teacher uses three words in a row that you don't get, then it's sort of like, okay, I'm out. But Mm -hmm. if it's, here's a deep concept, I get this might be confusing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Let's dive into it. And they kind of acknowledge we need to do some work to unpack this. Absolutely. That's very helpful. That's good to know. So kind of adding to that, um, what are some things that you find really helpful within a teaching? Definitely acknowledging where something might be confusing, but what are some other things that help you track along with a message? Yeah, I think, um, again, like I said, I'm definitely more of a visual person. I know not every church will do this, um, but definitely seeing points on a screen can be helpful. Like I said, it's just, you know, even if it's just up there and for like a a minute and then like taken away, um, that can be really helpful. Um, Also, kind of inflection can be helpful as well. Um, Something that's not, you know just this monotone of like, you know, I'm going to take you on this journey and this is really exciting. It's mm-hmm. like, no, this is really exciting and kind of getting you like pumped and into the message um, is really helpful. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. When you say putting points on the screen, do you mean just like the main building block points of the messages or do you mean illustrations along the way or, or just a quote that we're going to sit in for a minute mm-hmm. or some mix of all of that? I guess a mix of all. I mean, definitely more of just like those, you know, main points. And then Mm -hmm. it's kind of like breaking it down because then I'm a big note taker. So if I feel like I'm being, ah, I totally like rushed into like writing it down, but I, I forgot. Then I'm kind of like turning around. I'm like, did you get that note? You know, or did you get that point? And then you're just focused on that. Exactly. So just kind of seeing it up on the screen for like a minute and then being able to jot it down for a second is helpful. But I get that that could be distracting to other people that are, you know, you know, can get distracted with the, mm-hmm. you know, the screen and stuff. So um, even if, like I said, just like a minute and then taken away and not pictures or anything, but just super yeah. simple, like. So sort of finding that balance between the screen needs to be something that helps you hear the teacher mm-hmm. not the teacher is just facilitating the things you're seeing on the screen exactly yeah that makes a lot of sense so let's go to the negative end of things where i think this might be a little more fun um and potentially a lot more helpful 
what are some of the things that teachers do where just as soon as it happens, you're out, you're zoned out, you're done, you're not coming back for the rest of the message? Mm-hmm. Um, if the teacher is talking extremely fast and almost um, yelling, okay. I sometimes feel like I can't breathe. I'm okay. like, what? Yeah. Slow yeah. down. Um, that can be a little like I'm literally like like clenching my seat, like, oh my gosh, where are we going? Yeah. Um, but some people love that. So mm-hmm. it's just a very personal thing. Um, and I think another thing is if it's almost, you know, it's not supposed to be a testimony, which I love, love, love testimonies, mm-hmm. but it is just always kind of going back to a story and not sticking to the scripture. I I'm just kind of like, I want to know you, but I really am here because I want to know the Bible better. You know, certain, I don't know if that, you know, I get, I love personal things and getting to know tidbits, but when it's too story heavy and not enough about the Bible, I kind of am like, all right, (laughs) cool. Yeah. So, so you do, it's interesting that you point that out because you said you want to see a story unfold. Mm -hmm. You want the message to be kind of a journey that you go on. You know, Mm -hmm. it's something that, uh, we had an interview with Aaron Salvato on this podcast, and one of the things he talked about is the idea of teaching discoveries, mm-hmm. of walking people down the path so that they feel like, oh, I found this thing. And it's a story that unfolds. But that story you're saying, when it's just centered around the Bible teacher, that's no thanks. I- I'm not here for you. I'm here for what you're supposed to be pointing to. Yeah. And I know that sounds maybe a little harsh, but there's you know, something about coming and wanting to get to know, you know, the Bible better Mm -hmm. and to get more acquainted with the scriptures. And, um, sometimes if it's too heavily focused on, and last week when I was with my, you know, it's like, okay, you know, if it like, you know, a couple and it connects with the message really well. And like, there have been certain points where like, um, a pastor, went on a, um, he was talking about faith and things like that. And he talked about that he was skydiving and just that visual for me was Mm -hmm. so impactful, but it wasn't, that is not what he focused on. It was about the scripture and taking that leap of faith and then bringing in that personal story was like, Oh man, that totally was like super impactful. It was serving the message. The message wasn't serving the illustration. Exactly. No, that makes a ton of sense. And I even like what you brought up of some teachers can in the name of trying to be passionate, just shout and scream and lean forward and just, I have all these things to say and I'm going to say them all right now. And here are the first seven points. And what you can't see is that my wife's eyes are already getting huge just in this 10 second clip of me throwing that out there. So remember you can be monotone even if the tone is great, you know, monotone doesn't mean that you have a boring voice. It means you only have one voice. So you want to remember to vary loud, excited, passionate, with quiet, reserved, um, thoughtful, and reflective because you have all sorts of people that learn in all sorts of different ways. When it comes to applications, one of the things we always talk about as teachers is we want a message to be memorable. We want it to be something that you can take with you and kind of carry out into the real world. Um, What are some things that 
teachers can do to help make that happen? Like, what are the things that preachers do that help you see, oh, this message isn't just for Sunday. I can live this out on a Tuesday or a Friday Mm -hmm. or or whatever. Yeah, um, I would say getting as practical and personal as you can. Okay. Um, You know, how do we relate this, you know, the teaching today to your listeners mm-hmm. everyday lives um tips on making it helpful realistic things like that so like the one of the things that i know that i'll do in teaching mm-hmm. is i'll throw out all of these ideas as a question um but not necessarily like is it enough to just say you know today we're talking about uh greed what does it look like for you to be generous in your community mm-hmm. at your workplace? Like just throwing those out, is that enough or is it better to give more specific examples within that? No, I think you can stay somewhere in that range um, and maybe throw in like one or two that maybe aren't a question, but are more, you know, maybe give one or two more personal applications. Um, so it's kind of a mixture of the both. So like one that someone can kind of chew on and be like, Oh, that really hit home or like some, and then some things to ponder on. Okay. So even if there is, that's actually super helpful for me personally, just even one super specific, Mm -hmm. you can do this to live this message out. Even if that's not going to hit everybody, right? then from there asking, and how would that work here or here or here? And then list as many places as you can, that helps you kind of carry it with you. Yeah, what about, sure. um, I'm always afraid of being the corny preacher. I don't, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so does, does like rhyming actually help or like, does all of the points having the same first letter actually help you like beyond the Sunday teaching? Like, does that carry with you into the week? Sure. I mean, it definitely can. A couple weeks ago, we went to a good friend, Joey Rosek's church, mm-hmm. and he talked about the triple A's and like that totally, you know, stuck with me, like obviously still remember yeah. it. And it's not being corny unless you make it corny. Okay. I think that um, if you present it in a way that it's like, hey, I came or have the super easy way of remembering it. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. I get yeah. you. And okay. Instead of like, and here I am saved by, you know, or like, I don't know, whatever. I want a whole podcast of you just being a corny preacher. That'd be amazing. All right. Hey, let's do it. We should do that. I got two more questions. Okay. One, how important to you in a teaching is time? So with timing, I think if the message kind of gets you right as it started and it's like kind of jumping straight out the gate where you are you have people's attention I don't think it matters so much about time okay I think if you have a really long intro where maybe it's like 20 minutes 15 minutes and you're then you're kind of looking like and now let's get into the scripture and you're like yeah Oh, dang. You feel more time passing in the beginning. Exactly. Then you're like, oh, we've been here. Like how much longer? Or is he just going to give us like 10 minutes in the Bible and then end? Um, So I think that, you know, when it comes to timing, um, you know me, I have a hard time sitting for Mm -hmm. very long. I get a little antsy. Lines are not your favorite. But if you 
are able to, I think, capture the attention like your intro's really strong and mm-hmm. heavy, you know, I would say like 35 minutes is probably a really good time. I don't know. I don't, okay. you know, I don't know what's like a good time, what's not, but I would say anything past that. And then it's kind of like, okay, like that was really good, but I wonder like, where is this going? Like yeah. how much longer? Yeah, no, that make that makes a lot of sense. If if a message goes past that thirty five minute mark, just as an example, do you actually? Is it just that you tune out the rest of the message, or do you start looking back differently on what you were hearing up to that point? I think it depends on whatever mm-hmm. you know where the message is going. I could either tune out. Or just kind of reread the notes that I had written down. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Last question. Do you feel like your feedback is helpful for teachers? And not just you personally, but the people listening to the messages. Do you feel like your feedback is important? And do you feel like your feedback is welcomed? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think... It's important to hear um, whether you're teaching, whether you're up there as a worship leader, whether you are, um, you know, a leader in a youth group or whatever the case may be. Um, I always think that it's good to have um, just a healthy connection with the people that you are um, interacting with and um kind of allowing yourself not to have that pride of like, well, I know exactly what I'm doing. Like Mm -hmm. this is, you know, everyone will understand this and everyone will love it. But just kind of being aware of, hey, I want feedback. Like feedback is really good and it's necessary to be successful or, you know, be able to reach and feel relatable to your congregation, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think in that there's kind of two important encouragements. If you're listening and you are not a teacher, and you were just kind of wondering, will my perspective be represented in this episode? Uh, we, we know that I'm only talking to one person. We know that we don't cover every perspective, but your perspective does matter. Please try to start those conversations with the people teaching you because they need to hear this stuff. There's so much growth that can happen from you giving your open and honest feedback. And if you are the teacher, you need to seek this out. You need to find these conversations. I know it was easy for me because Tori's my wife and she had to, but um, find those people that you really feel can tell you the truth. People that uh, maybe you wouldn't think of as, you know, the, the most ministry minded or anything. Just find anyone in your congregation that's willing to talk to you. Give them the complete freedom to say whatever it is they're thinking about your teaching and don't use it against them. Just hear it out as honest, helpful feedback because ultimately it's going to make you a better teacher and it's going to help your people because they're going to enjoy listening to you more and more uh, because you're hitting on the level that they're ready to receive. So, Tori, thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of First Time Bible Teacher on the Good Lion Podcast Network. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and tell your friends about it. We're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, any platform you're listening to, you can get this podcast there. You can also get all of the great Good Lion content 
by heading over to our website, goodlion.io. We have podcasts about all sorts of different things with Christian living. We have articles that hit on similar topics. We have tons of stuff we think you're going to really love. You can learn about that content by following on Instagram at goodlion.io. Or if you just want to follow this show specifically, you can follow at First Time Bible Teacher to get episode art, video clips of different episodes we've done in the past, as well as updates on where this podcast is headed. May God bless you in your teaching. We'll see you next time.